0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for life, liberty, property, sovereignty, and all that matters here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for a brand new month, dead of summer, August 1st. And the same problems all of my colleagues say exist still exist. So what are we going to do about it? You know, this is the sort of show where when everyone else says, we're going to die, we have an invasion at our border, we have all this stuff going on, and then they go home, we're like, oh, yeah, we we actually do have one. So what are we going to do about it? This is not just a joke. It's not just an act, not just entertainment. This is a movement. And I thank you all for joining it. By the way, I want to welcome, very appropriate for today, uh, we're going to talk about the latest at the border. We're going to have a border briefing from Todd Bensman and what we must do about it, the opportunity we have now that we should do a mixture of the state, uh, Republican governors, as well as the – House Republicans who just left town but really should remain in town to expose the federal government aiding and abetting the cartels to invade its own country. But we do have a Texas con-action legislative strike force team in place. I know it's taken two years, but Rudy, one of our listeners, has volunteered, and he's going to send out a welcome note to all of you who signed up. A couple hundred of you have signed up to join uh if you want to join today and you're listening from texas uh you know you could sign up and you'll you'll get the email as well at conaction.network so you go to conaction.network put in your name and yeah i mean you tell us a little bit about yourself where you are what county you're from and rudy will be contacting you soon so we hope to do a lot of good things there and really i mean texas is not just the largest red state that we should be Enjoying sovereignty for our values and economy and prosperity and liberty and culture and all that. But it is the linchpin to the border invasion and stopping the border invasion. And, you know, it's a classic example of everything that has ailed the Republican Party and this fake movement for so many years. It, it, it's kind of like the abortion and gun issue now. <laughs> it's almost like everyone agrees, but no one agrees. So it's like everyone agrees that, oh my gosh, the border is terrible. Okay, so if we have an invasion, um, we don't talk about an invasion for three years and then go on and do nothing about it. You got to do something about it. And it is really bad. I mean, we have DHS, CBP, working with the cartels to coordinate how to get around Texas's borders that they've erected, the different barriers. And often they'll help defeat their barriers. They'll get around it. So now they're literally looking for border agents as an asset to complete their smuggling. This is a crazy story. It's the type of thing that would grab the emotion of most voters. It would grab the attention of the country. A lot more than the Biden scandals in a vacuum would. Imagine if we had a Congress that was in session exposing this and then promising to defund, catch, and release and promising to put in the DHS funding bill an explicit deputization of the states to remove illegals. And that's ultimately anyone who's talking about anything else. We have long passed the time of walls or this and that. They just bring them around the walls. Now is the time you will not solve the problem without state based removals and you know wh- one of the important things people need to realize is that you know we say there's a problem but then we never follow up on how it's a problem and why it's such an urgent need of redress so you know ne- I-, I just want to give you a sense of and-, and these numbers are a little bit old but a sense of how much, not only do we have so many criminals in America, but how we have imported the world's criminals that are now in all of our communities. And I I talked about this a lot in 2017, 2018, but when it comes to crimes, there's a limit to what you can do. You know, someone does a burglary, a simple assault. I mean, we don't punish them enough, but you're not going to lock them up for life. So you have to wait until they do it again and again and again. And you have to suffer the endless crimes of people until you can finally put them away. But when it comes to other countries' criminals, and this is even if they're here legally, but they're, you know, an LPR, but they're not a citizen, you know, we could get anyone we want. We have the first draft pick. So why should we have people who commit crimes? The first crime you commit, I don't mean a speeding ticket, but, you know, you commit burglary, you commit assault, you commit arson, you should be out of here. Gone. Well, we now have in this country... And, and the numbers are probably more. I think it was as of the beginning of the year. 4.8 million aliens with final deportation orders and have exhausted their appeals and they just remain indefinitely. Okay, so remember, ICE rarely targets people. They rarely do. Over the overwhelming majority of whom they target are not just here legally, but they've committed crimes just because of prioritization. We only have 5,000 deportation officers through uh, enforcement and removal operations under ICE because too much of it is, is, you know, siphoned off to HSI, which likes to act like the FBI and it's superfluous and we shouldn't even have it. It's stupid. Um, But uh, ERO – is is, one, is the critical operation. We have 5,000 of those. Even if you had an administration that wanted to remove them, I'm not talking about the, the universe of illegals in this country. I'm talking about just those with final deportation orders. Now, you know how it is that they had to target you for a deportation. Then you go in front of an immigration judge and a lot of them, you know, find ways to let them go and finagle themselves into status. And then they go through their appeal to BIA, which is under EOR. it's a Justice Department uh, agency, and then they're ordered removed. Again, overwhelmingly, they're going to be criminal aliens. There's 4.8 million of those people who remain indefinitely in the country, and that number, obviously, every day is exploding. Every day is exploding. And guess what? There is no plane to get rid of them so we are on the hook for can you imagine 4.8 million people of other countries that have been known to have already committed crimes the degree of recidivism that you're going to have in your communities from those people all needless every crime that is committed by those people which is numerous and is covered up and is not reported in any of the media and it won't be because they never divulge their immigration status, so there's no way to prove it, but you often see in these areas, you could tell by the circumstance that it's illegal. You know, 100% of those are avoidable crimes. What needs to happen is, and this starts with Texas, but other states as well, they need to get together and say, hey, if the feds are going to defeat Texas's border security and let them in, then we are going to target for removal we're going to have we're going to pull together 20 states the resources and funding to remove we're going to have a return to mexico um process we are going to return and start targeting those with final deportation orders that is something that i would like to see the presidential candidates promise i know Governor DeSantis actually said on this very show, if he had other governors to work with, he would have a state-based removal program. This is what we should be doing. And McCarthy should keep the Republicans in session. Of course, he's not for the next six weeks. These are the type of issues he needs to draw attention to. The fact that people don't realize we have 4.8 million criminal aliens that already have final removal orders. They've been targeted. They remain indefinitely. The numbers are growing every day. You have the, our own border patrol now becoming human smuggling. And this is something that is indefensible. The polling all shows it. there is no way the left can win a budget showdown on this issue. There is no way they can win this issue. Whereas Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution requires the federal government to protect the states from invasion, our government is protecting the invaders from the states. But again, we need states that are willing to do it, and we don't have because all the governors are, are a bunch of dopes. But this is what needs to happen. And I don't, I don't want to go, oh, well, states don't have the authority. Yeah, well, the federal government doesn't have the authority to invade its own country. Again, this is, this is the point of today's show. We are, we are at the point when The government is violating the very essence of the social compact. It's not even like a provision in the Constitution. It's why we have one. And you can't just sit there and be like, oh, I'll use that as a talking point in a campaign, but not to do anything about it. Republicans have the House. We have budget deadlines for DHS funding, and they have control of Texas, which is on the border, and they have control of other states. So before we get to kind of the briefing, I wanted to get to the action item first. That is ultimately what needs to happen, and that's what I'd love to see to create a cross-border task force um, you know, in the next legislative session and, and, and work on a state-based repatriation program. That is the only way this is going to make a dent in the, in the, in the problem. But let's get to our guest and get a get a little bit of a briefing on what's going on first. Uh, our interview today is sponsored by our friends at Birch Gold. I don't know if you guys saw yesterday, Janet Yellen is going to issue another 1.86 trillion in debt for the remaining five months of the year. Um, the dollar is going to go down. Our economy is in a death spiral. We'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow. But we're days away from the Durban Accords, basically. Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa are all expected to announce at a conference on August 22nd that they're launching a new international super currency fully backed by some sort of commodity. So do you want to be caught with fake paper dollar uh, while they're working on real currency? No. Protect your IRA or 401k from the fallout of this landmark announcement by diversifying with gold from Birch Gold Group. Uh, historically, gold has been a safe haven in times of high uncertainty. It's going up again. Um, recently, I mean, all commodities are going up. Get a free info kit on gold IRAs and decide for yourself if a tax-sheltered retirement account backed by precious metals works for you. Text Daniel to 989898. Again, this is a monument, m- monumental shift. Um, you, For the first time ever, it's like, this is really getting serious, This is really getting serious, both the moving away from the dollar and also just the vicious cycle of stagflation that we are facing is insane. Text Daniel to the number, 989898. Claim your free info kit today. Make your money worth something. So folks, there's nobody quite like Todd Benzman. He's Senior National Security Fellow at Center for Immigration Studies, but he's really the only one Who gives you a direct boots on the ground vision of what is actually going on in a way that I believe can inform policy, not just drive headlines? You know, I see a lot of these people, congressmen or reporters or conservative media figures, they go to the border and, you know, it doesn't really drive anything uh, in understanding of the malfeasance of what our government is doing and what needs to be fixed. Uh, every time Todd goes to the border, he always comes back with new stuff. So I figure we always need to get him on. He's also testified uh, in front of the House Homeland Security Committee on some interior issues, what we're seeing, the effects in our communities. And I want to go over both aspects of them because, again, what's what comes to the border doesn't stay at the border. Um, and make sure to pick up his new book, Overrun. The best book written on the border. It's available anywhere you get books. At Benzman Todd on Twitter. Hey Todd, look, I didn't hey. wait another year. Welcome back to the Blaze. It's good to be here. Glad to see you back on it. I am. I am back on this issue because, again, I mean, this is. It, it's almost like the the debt, the immigration numbers, are like the debt numbers. Like we talked about it for many years, but it's reached a point where you cannot not face the or feel the effects currently. But I want to start at the border. So what I am seeing from you, from other people seeing some videos, so you know, we put a lot of pressure on Greg Abbott. We've criticized him a lot. I'm not saying he's necessarily doing everything I'd want him to do, but, you know, they are holding the line. You do have Texas DPS, Texas Guard out there at the border, so several other states, like Florida, helping out. Um, they set up all the wire and barriers, and it looks like they're pushing them back. And the numbers were going down relatively in those areas. But now I'm seeing these videos of Border Patrol defeating Texas barriers, bringing them through, bringing them around. So it, describe the situation of what Texas is doing and the response of what Border Patrol is doing And how are we not at the point where it's better just not to have a Border Patrol?
1: (laughs) Okay, well, the first thing that you need to know is that Texas is doing something brand new, uh, tactically. And that is an operation that they call Hold the Line. It involves Texas troopers and National Guard under command of uh, Greg Abbott, Governor Greg Abbott, stringing razor wire right at the edge of the river for thousands and thousands of yards and then acting like nfl linemen at the edge behind the uh, razor wire and blocking the advance of immigrants trying to come up the riverbank so they're trapping them and keeping them stuck in the river Uh, And and often what happens is the immigrants will turn around and go back to Mexico. It's, it's effective. Uh, They can't get in. They're not being let in. Uh, They're not having the Texas is not having to lay hands on them because there's a razor wire barrier separating them. That's good. So you don't have any visions, political visions of uh, Texas uh, troopers beating up on women and children or anything like that. But, In and around all of these fortifications and barriers, you have Joe Biden's border patrol, Alejandro Mayorkas's border patrol agents. They're all around. Uh, And they are operating under a very different policy. In fact, the exact opposite and opposing uh, policy working at cross purposes, which is that when they get uh, custody of these immigrants, they're under orders to process them into the united states with notices to appear papers within 48 hours they're in chicago new york miami all around the world wherever around the country and so uh between texas and uh biden's border patrol you have this you know very intense uh conflict in in that these these policies oppose one another so the effect of that on the immigrants is that they are trying to avoid the tan uniformed uh Texas uh people, Texans, and trying to find the green uniformed Biden people. And so you have this crazy drama operating all along uh, you know, thousands and thousands of yards of contested borderland fortified by Texas. And the end result is that it's blunted, the Texas effort is blunted by the fact that every once in a while, groups can manage to get past the Texans and into the hands of Biden's border patrol. And then they're all let in, so they keep trying. They don't stop trying and just go home, uh, which probably would happen without uh, the policy of the Biden border patrol letting everybody in. And that's what's going on down there. It's absolutely insane. Uh, that's I spent a lot of Yeah.
0: They, they should go, go put on green uniforms, uh, Texas officials, that is, so uh, right. confuse them. Um, but you're saying they, they directly want to find them because it, is this not correct that it's not just to hold the line, but if they're single adults that are caught in Texas, Texas officials will potentially prosecute them. Where so, so you know, you kind of be scared to wander in inland because you might get caught and get get in trouble. But if if the green shirts grab them right away, then obviously that then they're in,
1: they're in, and it's just too irresistible a bonus. Uh, I mean, it's a life changing uh scenario to be able to get yourself to the green uniforms. Uh, and it's just a terrible thing that happens when you you know run up against the Texans. So they keep trying. the The net effect is that the immigrants. I spend a lot of time with the immigrants on the Mexican side of this, and I'm wandering around uh, up and down the riverbank with them as they're they're literally hunting for the green uniforms. <laughs> and more often than not, they'll eventually find them. They'll find the green uniforms at some point. It might take them a few days, but at some point, uh, they will find them, and then there will be this life-altering process that lasts for 24, 48 hours, and they're in Chicago, next thing you know.
0: That, that, that's just unbelievable. So I, I, I want to make this clear. We have reached the point where they're bringing them in openly So it would it would be better not to have them in those areas because they're actually serving as a magnet. They're running to them rather than from them. Now, I've seen pictures of them bringing them through, or like cutting through the wire. Have you seen that or do they just go around? Well,
1: the my understanding is that that has happened on occasion. But uh, the Biden administration has ordered Border Patrol to kind of Stand clear of the Texans. Stay out of the way, lest they ever be accused of cruel and inhumane treatment, of participating in cruel and inhumane treatment, which is what they regard the Texas operation, how they regard the Texas operations. And in fact, uh, there's uh, one of the new fortifications that Texas has tried out down there is a water, a marine barrier. It's only a thousand feet of marine barrier, but it's got netting that hangs down to the to the uh river's floor uh the riverbed uh, so you can't really swim under it meaning that it's very effective on that the administration has filed suit so this whole thing has escalated now to uh, you know to the courts uh but but in the Del Rio sector very interestingly uh, it was also tense in some other ways. For example, in the midst of the Texas fortifications, I mean, right in the smack dab in the middle of the most, you know, just barbed wire everywhere and denuded riverbanks and everything else, the Border Patrol found a landowner that was, uh, a, you know, advocate an advocate for migrants <laughs> and got them to lease them a chunk of land, private land, and they set up a field station right in the middle of the Texas fortifications, and they cut down the Texas fence that was on this property owner's land. And then uh, dug a, uh, a, a very welcoming sort of uh, ramp down to the river. And it's usually pretty steep. Yeah, it's steep. So they, they chopped it out and made a, a nice little ramp. And then, of course, they just poured in. <laughs> Mexico right through the Texas line uh, by creating a green zone, and I mean literally a green uni- uniform zone right in the middle of this. Texas spotted this thing right away and seized control physically seized control of the ramp, uh, strung barbed wire all around it, bulldozed it, uh, chained, uh, linked, uh, I'm sorry, chained up the landowners fence put it back up and chained it uh in two different places and then uh put barbed wire all the way around it and hemmed in the the border patrol with national texas national Guard so that they could shut they shut down that avenue through the the texas fortifications and that's the kind of thing that we're talking about that situation down there I, i i produced a video about the whole thing And I've got my drone flying over the Texas external kind of perimeter around this property owner and then flew the drone right into it to see the Border Patrol's field station in there. Uh, So, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about. It's it's extreme. And now it's moved into the courts where they're trying to the administration is trying to, to kill the Texas administration's plans to extend this marine barrier for many, many thousands of yards all along the international line inside the river. Uh, By the way, that litigation uh, can only be motivated by the knowledge that it works. They would not be bothering with this thing if it didn't work.
0: I mean, I'm just watching this and thinking, has a nation ever in the history of civilization – had a government that subverted its own sovereignty. It just—it's unreal. You're—you're you're, you're telling me they're—they're going to buy land to make sure they could use it to facilitate a foreign yes. invasion. Where, you, you know, like I said, the Constitution guarantees the state. Uh, you know, it's the guaranteed clause, Article Four, Section Four, uh, protection from an invasion. And instead, they're protecting the invaders from the states. Or in this case, right. Texas. I mean, listen,
1: it was just. Uh, you know, in December, uh, January, early January of 2020, that when immigrants crossing the river illegally ran into a green uniform border patrol agent, then under Trump, they would be apprehended and brought straight to a bridge and said, go back. Uh, they would be instantly deported under Title 42, uh, the pandemic instant uh, return, uh, pa- uh, measure or before that under remain in Mexico. So border patrol, uh, officers were to be avoided at all costs, not sought out like they are now as the sort of saviors of, uh, of the human race, you know? Um, so that's how, that's, that's what a 180 degree turnabout this is. They find Border Patrol so that they can turn themselves in. I was, I'm right there in the middle of all of them. I'm with the immigrants as they're telling me we've got to find the green uniform guys. And then they find them, and then they're brought right in and processed in immediately into the interior forever.
0: Now, what about the bridges? I'm hearing that they, they're going to some of the bridges to meet CBP officials, and they process them right there, even though it's not a port, port of injury.
1: Well, that's, that is, you know, part of the, administrate, the other part of the administration's game plan. They're not all crossing illegally. Uh, they are the, the, the administration invented without congressional authority, in fact, completely outside of congressional authority, the largest immigrant admittance program ever. I mean, it is just hundreds of pods probably a million a year. Uh, where they grant you a permit to enter at the port of entry, or you can fly in from your home airport right into an American airport. if you get one of these permits it's called cbp one it's an app you go on there and you apply uh, for your for your entry permit and ninety nine percent of applicants are are granted the The problem is is that so many people are in line for it that uh, they don't want to wait. And they've, they've realized that if they cross illegally, they get in a lot quicker. Uh, we're letting them in just the same. So they're coming in both ways. Those who are more patient will get uh, work authorization if they're willing to just wait to be brought in over the land ports. Uh, but eventually the ones that cross illegally also will get work authorization. They all know it. So it's kind of the say it's kind of collapsing a little bit. Uh, people don't want to wait. And uh, the numbers of people that are crossing illegally is back on the rise.
0: Yes. On a steep yes.
1: rise because of this. But yeah, no, they I mean, do. That's a the fallacy. They, yeah.
0: they say, oh, it's down. Yeah, it was a transition month. So it was down relative to the peak, but still very high, driven towards the ports of entry. Some of it is thanks to the work Texas did. But, you know, I just saw numbers. Um, Uh, preliminary numbers in late july that haven't been published that you had ten thousand in arizona in one week and if you average that out that's that's pretty close to where the march april may peak was for arizona maybe it was 11 12 um so that's pretty much back up there so it looks like now you're just going to get both ends and isn't it true that in some ways you know, so so you look at border numbers now because I, I want to transition this discussion to the interior, um, how many apprehended at the border, but then I, to me, the more important number is, what is the gross total um, released on the interior? So this strikes me as a higher percentage being released. Uh, is, is, is that where you're seeing that 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 through this CBP one app? They're actually releasing a greater percentage than they did even earlier this year.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, by far. So they've increased. So here's the problem. They, they're not telling us the total numbers. They're giving us some numbers of CBP-1 parolees that they're granting at the bridges, at the land crossings, uh, which is somewhere in the, in the neighborhood of 45000 a month. They're not telling us how many they're flying in. Wow. Uh, right. Eureka. They will not tell us. Right. And it's I, I a I didn't lot think of people, about that. Yeah. A lot of people think it's more than double uh, that we're at between the airports and the land ports, 100,000 a month, which is a million plus a year. Uh, we at the Center for Immigration Studies, you know, I put a FOIA in for CBP1 parole numbers back in February, uh, even before they can they the number. Uh, and they ignored my request. And now we have a lawsuit. Uh, we, we're having to stew for these numbers uh, because they screw up the narrative. Uh, the administration can say, wow, look at all the declines that we're seeing in people crossing between ports of entry illegally. We've really got this under control. And then they just leave unsaid the number that they're bringing in over the bridges, which more than and, and the airports, which more than makes up for any decline they're talking about, and taking victory laps and spiking the football over in the end zone. Uh, that's the key number. We do expect um, that that we will get some data in about two weeks as a result of our lawsuit, uh, and that could be a big game changer. Just having having this information, uh, having the data, but. Having said that, if you're Chicago, if you're New York, if you're Miami, LA, Portland, any city in Akron, any city in America, you don't care how they're entering the border. All you know is the same number are pouring into your city and adding to unfunded burdens. Nobody in Chicago is like, well, they came in on the bridge or got flown in on CBP-1, no. They're foreign nationals who are needy, dependent, non-English speaking, and uninsured. And they are going to be coming to your city asking you to take care of all of their needs. Uh, New York is receiving right now about 15000 a month, 15000 a month, uh, every month. And don't, don't, they don't know what to do with them. And so they're trying to shuffle them off to... You know rural counties in New York State, which are suing uh, <laughs> New York for doing that, and then New York is suing them back, and everybody's locked in litigation over you take them, no, you take them, no, you pay for them, no, you pay for them. Nobody wants this, and nobody's nobody in those uh, inter- in, interior precincts could care less whether a foreign national was brought in over the bridge or snuck in illegally between the bridges.
0: And, and I want to emphasize here that when you hear the Southwest border crossings, the the border numbers that are published, uh, you know, usually two weeks after the new month or something like that, it keeps getting later, but that does not include the airports. And that's what you're seeing no. to get. That is very important. That's an efficient Or the land way. ports. Or the
1: land ports. They're, I mean, that, and that's about 100,000 a month, it looks like.
0: Wait, 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 wait Todd. When they say the – so you have the Border Patrol numbers and then you have the, the customs numbers. You're saying the customs numbers that they post don't include those people? They,
1: they only include the pe- some of the people that are crossing – that are being brought in at the land ports, not the airports. And they don't delineate. You know, those are called inadmissibles. Uh, That's the nomenclature. OFO, a different agency uh, handles those, but they don't break them out as to which ones are CBP one or some other kind of person crossing in. So uh, that's part of what our lawsuit is about: is to try to really force a breakdown of what those are. But we but we can get an idea. Uh, that those numbers are uh, triple and and quadruple the numbers that they were six months ago. So that tells us that a very significant percentage that are being brought in over the bridge as inadmissibles and being tallied as inadmissibles are going to be the CBP-1. But the airport-to-airport ones that, you know, they land at Akron International Airport in Ohio or you know, Miami international or wherever they're, they're being brought in. That's a huge state secret. That is a number that is so heavily guarded, so protected that that there has been not even a single media report about those flights. There is nothing about those flights. Uh, But we can see from these other numbers uh, of that OFO numbers on the interior, inadmissible numbers on the interior, are quintuple what they were six months ago. So that's a pretty good clue that they are flying a lot in to the interior airports too. They're just not telling you anything about it, and nobody's asking either, except us.
0: That 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 is unbelievable. I mean, these guys think of everything. Again, this is not just some people are saying, "Oh, they're not doing their job. They're they're lazy. They're." Um, you know, derelict in their duty at the board. They're not derelict. I mean, they're they're efficiently bringing them in. What they didn't want was inefficient chaos that would draw too much attention and outcry yes. and demand for policy change. And this yes, way Republicans is- could, you know, and, and Republicans are giving into it, Todd. I mean, they go on vacation for six freaking weeks rather than sitting and messaging this building support for a DHS appropriation bill that defunds all this catch and release um, and set up for a big budget fight. And, and really work with the states to, um, to beef up their interior enforcement. I just think they are just using it enough for a talking point against the Democrats. Oh, the border's open, like that type of thing, and then go home. I'm just very disappointed in what I'm seeing, except for, you know, obviously people like Chip Roy and several others.
1: Well, there needs to be far more effective oversight activity by the Republicans in the House, on the CBP one and parole programs, because I don't think that, that most Republicans really understand it. I don't think, I think the Democrats definitely don't want to understand it, but I think the Republicans just don't really get that they're being snookered left and right by these airport to airport entrances by the tens of thousands a month. How can you not have an oversight hearing about CBP one? Where you haul in under subpoena or whatever it takes, Mm. every federal government employee that might have eyes on this thing, on the planning of it, and on the numbers, demanding the numbers. Why is just the Center for Immigration Studies (laughs) filing a lawsuit against you? Who are we? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, not even I mean, other think
0: tanks. I mean, I, I mean, this was the foundation of my first book, "Stolen Sovereignty." That the underpinnings of the Declaration of Independence, of of the Social Compact, is governance by the consent of the governed, and and one of the greatest decisions a society as a whole makes is who to admit to be part of that society. So, you know, in the Federalist Papers, in and I'm forgetting in front of me which one it was, the one from Hamilton that describes the difference between a president. And a king, and you know, he says the one, uh, c- the king can make denizens of aliens, while the other, the president, can confer no privileges what whatsoever. And, and that's the thing for him to create his own admission program, that that is you know bigger than pretty much any other that is authorized by law is unreal. And you know, but it's, it's and it's not doing a-
1: heavy. heavy, it's bringing in heavy, heavy volumes of foreign nationals, sight unseen. All of it is sight unseen. Uh, I've been on the bridges. Uh, The the way it typically works is you could go to, uh, you know, any of these international land bridges. And on the Mexican side, you'll see lines that are hundreds of yards long of immigrants who have this little blue folder under uh, one arm, you know? And in that folder is their appointment. But they're under a sun awning, so you can't fly a Fox News drone over it, and you can't really tell the difference between them or anybody else who's in the line waiting to go over the, the bridge. You have to kind of know who what you're looking for. So it's all hidden.
0: It's all uh, hidden. And I, and, I,
1: and it's all hidden. I,
0: it, Todd, I just want to get – because we're running a little bit out of time here. I want to get to a couple other points, but one more thing on the border there. There's this talking point, well, you know, at least if you drive them to the ports of entry – um, I mean, it doesn't solve the sovereignty problem and the community problem that we have, but at least, you know, it it, keep, it keeps the cartels out of business. Isn't that a complete fallacy that the plaza bosses, at the end of the day, if you want to get through that plaza um, to get to OFO agents, you got to pay the piso?
1: Well, I think the bigger issue, I mean, if I can, I'll, I'll come back to that in a second, but the bigger issue is – Interior cities are seeing the same number of needy, uninsured foreign nationals coming into their cities. America is hurting just the same, however they get in and whoever got, yeah. has to get paid yeah. off at the border. And that's all that matters here. But uh, having said that, I do think that the cartels lose money on CBP-1 because Interesting. I mean, right. because they don't need to – uh, you're coming over a land port, so you might get robbed or something while you're waiting in line, but you don't have to pay somebody to cross the river or to smuggle you over uh but it just doesn't really matter uh I think that's irrelevant whether the cartels are suffering from c b p one or or even if that there's- the, uh, the appearance of a more orderly uh yeah. border
0: y- uh border y- y- you, know what? you, know what? you, you your, your message. Your own message, and 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 you know, I'm glad I'm glad he said that because you know, even I was getting a little bit caught into that. But you're right, like who gives a darn? You know, the cartels is a separate point; it adds a lot of issues. But I'm, I'm sick of this notion, and I'm going to rebuke myself for a minute because I think you're right. Like, what the heck? I mean, wh- whether you had the cartels or you didn't, the thing needs to be stopped. And you know, we're a sovereign nation, and and they have no right to flood our school districts and our communities with this. So, could you talk a little bit about? your testimony last week before the house Homeland security committee on the effects on the interior um, you know, what you gave over and how it was received.
1: Well, we were asked as witnesses to come forward with interior impacts from this mass migration. And we all have already heard uh, everything there is to hear. I think about fentanyl and about drug trafficking and the cartels and all the rest of that. But, uh, but I wanted to bring something to the table that is a pocketbook issue for a huge vast majority of Americans which is that this is a child-centric mass migration if you had a kid you got in if you showed up uh, as an unaccompanied minor you were guaranteed in you got right in so you have this huge population brand new of school-age children and under a 1982 Supreme Court ruling Every school district has to take them all in, regardless of immigration status. That is a massive, unfunded burden across America's schools. Every American, if you're nowhere near the border, every American should be able to recognize that they are being asked to approve yet another tax-spiking bond election to pay for portable classrooms, to pay for ESL teachers and curriculum, to expand existing schools to build new schools and to see uh, immigrants uh, who quit school in the second grade and can't read or write in their home country taking standardized tests in your school, Uh, in having to, uh, you know, teachers having to find the lowest, teach at the lowest common denominator uh, because you've got a classroom filled with ESL kids who don't understand anything. Uh, this is something that I wanted to just bring up because nobody's bringing it up. Uh, and it's a pocketbook issue, and it's, it should matter in the 2024 election. Everybody knows their school district is filled up with uh, these spiking numbers of non-English speaking migrant kids. And you're being asked to pay for it because you have a rooftop. And your rooftop has to pay school taxes. So if you're wondering if this is impacted, because this is so politically aversive that your local newspaper will not cover it. it. You will not see any investigative reporting about why you're having to have your second or third bond election. But if you Google your school district and bond election or portable classrooms, you won't have to pick very far to find the migrants.
0: Wow. And, and that, that's the point. Everyone's talking about border numbers, border numbers. But the bottom line is several million, let's just say, likely have gotten in since Biden took office. And, and as we, we think well, about no, four and a half million, four and a half million. And you're saying when you say four and a half million, you're saying that likely got in and remain. Yes. Yes. Likely got in and remain. So not just the border numbers, you know, which, you know, some of them were turned back, but 4.5 million, that's unreal in that short yeah. period of time. And, again, <laughs> that was built off of during the Obama and Trump administrations. We had a number of family units, UACs. Um, it wasn't quite this number this quickly, but, you know, we had the 2018, 2019. So and a lot of those remain. So it's built on top of that. That's a tremendous amount of people. Um, And as we talked about last time you were on, it's not just the major cities.
1: That's right. I mean, uh, by my count, uh, you know, of the government statistics, uh, since 20, late 2018, about 545,000 unaccompanied minors were let in. Uh, These are going to be school age kids by definition. And then um, I think. But just the, based on the family unit uh, numbers that have come in during the Biden administration, uh, that altogether we probably have a million and a half new students in, the, in, in school districts across the country. Uh, who do you think's paying for that? What do you think that's doing to the quality of education? And that's what I testified to. I, I did do a case study of one of these school districts in Texas. And all the terrible things that have befallen the school district in Liberty County, Texas, which is the, uh, p- the home of the largest illegal alien settlement in America, Liberty County, Texas. And what happened to the Cleveland Independent School District? Uh, so that's in a, all in my testimony as well, as well as my book, Overrun. It's, it's the final chapter of my book.
0: But you have found more. You found they're expanding it. There's likely tens of thousands. Absolutely. Uh, you actually found the this Harris family um, that appears to be funding it.
1: They're the developers. Uh, they buy land, feet, forest land, clear cut it, and then sell three quarter acre lots owner to to buyer financing. So you can cut out the banks, and you don't need a social security card or any kind of history of employment, uh, charging, you know, 9% interest and up uh, to, to do that. And they bring in their kids and they're clear cutting thousands and thousands of acres, new acres right now. Uh, So, you know, this sort of thing, I, I, I don't know for a fact, but I would guess that this kind of community is developed, being developed across America you could probably find this in 50 states something like this i mean it's a it's a business model and look out cuz you're paying for it in your school districts
0: there's no way that it's not affecting every corner of this country it's just the numbers are too big and when you talk about potentially a million and a half children you know children con- the word child conjures up a certain image But, you know, and and we saw this since about 2012, 2013, when the UAC started coming in from El Salvador and other Central American countries. When you're talking about these teenage Central Americans, I mean, there's a lot of people coming here without a sense of purpose, without a sense of belonging. And, man, you know, sometimes when you say people are fleeing violence there, sometimes you tend to bring in what you say they're fleeing. Uh, I would love to see what this does for gang membership. Well, I don't know I'll if tell that's you. Something you looked into.
1: Well, I mean, at Cleveland Independent School District, I interviewed the superintendent. He's still the superintendent now, Stephen McCandless, Uh, who told me, "Yeah, gang, We have a problem with gang formation in our schools. When I find them, I expel them. Uh, there is drug trafficking in the schools." Uh, so, I mean, this is just one school district that I happen to go knock the door on. Nobody else did. I think I'm still the only one who's, I mean, this, this is, this school district was labeled a hyper growth school district in 2019 and it hasn't let up. Uh, imagine if, uh, I were to go find any other school district and knock the door, I'm pretty sure I would find, uh, very similar problems. You, if you're listening to this, Google your school district and and portable classrooms or bond elections, and you'll see it. I guarantee you, you'll find this. And
0: and folks, this is a great, great action item for our legislative strike force teams in red states to find out where this is happening and raise cane about it with your legislators, with the governor, um, that this cannot be funded. It needs to be shut down. They need to enforce employment laws, uh, tax laws and find other ways to, to get, get rid of this. I mean, ultimately, we're going to have to move towards a state-based enforcement model if we're ever going to dig out of this mess because it's no longer a border problem. I Also, like Todd, I like the way you express it because it's interesting. A lot of Republicans, and they do this, by the way, on every policy issue, they always want an oblique argument. They never it's kind of if you're if you're trying to scratch an itch on your back, it's like, you know, you cut around it a little bit, but you can't get to the meat and potatoes are right. <laughs> the center focus. They don't want to talk about the human problem. It's the border security. It's national security. It is. And, and you've written a lot about the national security aspect. But, you know, it's the drugs, the fentanyl, the cartels. But let let's face it. We do have a right to have a. Our communities, our sovereignty, and our culture, and you can't be invaded by any group in mass like that, that changes your culture, costs you know, creates a tremendous burden. Even absent the cartel, you know, method of smuggling and drugs accompanied with it. Let's say it wasn't. I mean, it gets to Plyler v. Doe, which needs to be overturned, needs to be challenged. We need interior enforcement. We need state-based repatriation. And, uh, again, you know, it's not just kind of like, oh, we need some, you know, border security. They're flying them through the airports. It's a malfeasance. So let's identify the problem properly. And then that's the way we could solve it. Uh, any final word and where we could follow your work?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, let me give you a final word first. Um, one part of my testimony, uh, I didn't, it wasn't the oral part. It was the written part. You can go find my testimony on the, uh, House Homeland Security Committee website. Uh, hopefully you'll put it in your show notes, but uh, I talk a lot about the uh, illegal immigrant crime that this is bringing, it's a, it's a crime wave that's happening across the country. The problem is, I mean, if you're trying to scratch the itch uh, and, and get voters interested uh, beyond just their school district, states have to require, like Texas does, uh, a delineation of uh, immigration status and yes. they have to keep track of it uh, so that you can see what's happening. Um, Texas right now uh, for the longest time was the only one. I believe Florida just, just enacted. I, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I think Florida just required yes. uh, that they keep uh, track of alien status of criminals uh, so that we, you can see it what's going on. There's a reason why it's politically aversive to say that illegal immigrants are bringing unnecessary, avoidable crime. Uh, but they are, yep. they just simply are. And you can see it in this Texas statistics, which I put in my testimony. So I, mean, um, I would just leave it with that. But if, if you want action items, you know, that scratch the itch directly, that is one of them. Illegal immigrant crime has to be trapped in every state. Uh, and then, if you want to reach me or find my work, uh, toddbenzman.com. I'm on Twitter, benzman, uh, Bensman todd at benzman todd, and I'm on uh, Truth Social and uh, Getter as well.
0: Sure. So at benzman todd on Twitter, and then yes, I mean, I guess the best way is to go to your website because you write for a couple different publications here and there. You do write a lot, and of course, you put it all there. Overrun. Um, maddening but enlightening, as always, Todd. Uh, yeah. Hope to speak to you soon. Thanks for your work. Take care. So, folks, you have your action items there. I think it's very important that you take a look at your school district in particular, but also those of you who are participating in our state-based teams, you probably have Colony Ridge areas, you know, like you was talking about with Cleveland, uh, Texas, and many other places. I know you have places like in Kansas in the western part that you wouldn't think they're just overrun because of the meatpacking industry and other agriculture I- industries and i mean it changes the character of your community there's crime issues there's cultural problems it's it's insane the 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 battle is on the interior at this point with them bringing them in, subverting it in. You know, again, it's got to be state-based enforcement. That's where we need to drive this issue. Um, Let me know your comments, questions, concerns. Daniel Hurwitz at StarMail.com. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.